Everybody, welcome to episode 215 of the Saturn Studs podcast. That number has some significance. But anyway, I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my uh, futuristic co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right. We're coming at you this week with the spiked cookie dough latte edition of the cast. A drink so mm. ridiculous that you can only have it for breakfast. Um... I can't. I, you should always have alcohol for breakfast. I'll read you. Jake, I did not read you off this drink. I read Kurt the name of this drink before the show. Now, keep in mind, this is what I had for breakfast. And it came in, I want to say, a 32-ounce soup terrine. Um, so, the spiked cookie dough latte. $10. Two shots of black pearl espresso. Cookie dough flavored syrup. Vodka. Irish cream. And milk. Is that... Is that what you got this morning? That is what I got this morning. I thought it was just a regular coffee until he told me. Yeah. I was like, Peter, I think you might have a problem. <laughs> I didn't realize you got a spiked drink. I, well, good I for don't you. even get coffee in the morning. I just felt like dying today. That's so. okay. Hey, we all we all have those days where we just want to not wake up. but <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to wake up. Sometimes well, you just want to. And the song ends. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, as always, you go direct a movie with John Travolta. Oh, John Travolta! <laughs> that sounds like a John pur- Travolta. That sounds like purgatory. That, that I feel like that's like director's purgatory is like directing a movie. You're just cons- constantly directing a movie with uh, John Travolta or or Nick Cage, maybe. That too. <laughs> I think Nick Cage would be worse. It's just always in production. You're just always having or to do if reshoots. John Woo, if you're John Woo, you do it with both. Yeah. Them. What the movie is called Face Off? What expendables? Yes. <laughs> what expendables do you have to get to before you have you have to include Nick Cage, Travolta, and Steven Seagal in it? Mm. But Steven Seagal shares the spotlight with no man, so like. <laughs> All the other expendables will have to be dead, which means you'll have to have Steven Seagal on his fucking motorized wheelchair doing his Aikido on I, <laughs> nameless goons. I can only imagine that that shooting that movie would be like hell. And it just- didn't we come up with some movie where Steve Seagal was in a wheelchair and it was like a gay love story? <laughs> I hope we did. That's I vaguely remember something like this. It just oh went God. off the rails, as our improv bits often do. I could just see like I could just see like John Travolta just getting all manic and crazy, and John Travolta getting all manic and crazy, and Steve Seagal getting all manic and <laughs> like one's gonna be like really controlling. One of them's gonna be like, "Let's do it, guys. Let's all work together and put out the best movie we can do." All I want to see out of an insane production like that, and I don't care which trashy actors you hire, all I want is three household names doing a synchronized line of cocaine off the same table. Just what about what about off of the same hooker? Yes, fantastic. It, better points if the hooker is also a celebrity who is past her prime. Um, who would that be? 
Rosie O'Donnell. Women actors, Madonna. <laughs> no, Rosie O'Donnell. See, oh, they should get actors like that and do like a Golden Girls, but male version. No, worse. Of that Golden Gold, Boys. Roseanne Barr. Rose, Roseanne Golden Barr. Boys. <laughs> hey, that's who. I, that's actually what I was thinking of. Um, the Golden Boys. Yeah, the Golden Boys. I want the thing. Despite how they're like be a little a bit older. It would be the Salt and Pepper Club. Yeah. Mostly salt. Except you'd have um, salt and pepper there. Yes, the, I was about to say you'd have to have salt and pepper guest stars. I was about to conflate uh, Peppa and Pusha T into Peppa T. Peppa T. <laughs> I mean, that's a super group right there waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> So if if Pepper ever got her doctorates, would would she have to like get into a copyright dispute between her and Dr. Pepper? I think no, because because Dr. Pepper is P P P E P P E R and Peppa is P E P P A. Yeah. Oh, like the and pig. besides, there is yeah. We have precedent for this case. Oh. <laughs> there is a person with a legal name right now who is marijuana Pepsi, and she's doing fine. She, Pepsi's not sued her for having her name. I feel like marijuana should sue them. <laughs> the the plant, yeah. <laughs> oh, the God. conglomerate, that's, the plant. <laughs> I think that's an actual thing. Now, the weird weird tangent. This is almost an actual thing because, like every other industry, uh, rich conglomerates are buying up all the small marijuana uh, dispensaries and owning the business from the back end just like every other uh niche consumer product mm-hmm. yay it's, it's funny because uh, alcohol companies are no one is surprised yeah alcohol companies are trying to buy them up too and uh they're they're gonna well, be making sense they're gonna be making like beer weed beer and shit like that i have heard it exists already mm-hmm. i have heard of cannabis like just derived beers, Can but I've never once, I've never once been like that. Sounds like a good idea. I had one. It's got a really weird aftertaste. That probably. Yes, I don't know if either of you or anyone out there listening has ever had an edible, but you don't do it because it tastes great. You're <laughs> <laughs> not like Gordon Ramsay on this shit and be like, finally some good fucking food. It's. <laughs> It's a, uh, you, you bury the taste of this fucking demon plant in your baked good so that you can tolerate it. I mean, they're made with the... brownies because brownies are just so overpowering. <laughs> like, yes. Just... yes, that's why it's chocolate chip cookies and brownies are the two yeah. most popular because they are very powerful tastes that can mask. If we can find a way to get orange juice in there somehow, <laughs> then, <laughs> like, if you distill a, uh, liquor from, uh, cannabis and make like a screwdriver with that make a screwdriver oh my god that'd be amazing I think think you gotta do it before Bud Light fucking takes it and becomes Bud 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 Bud. that's the only upshot of corporate weed is having Bud Light make a Bud Light yeah like I remember when uh, when I didn't really know that terminology when I got to college and uh people were like oh man do you have bud and i was like no who the fuck drinks their shitty rice beer and then i uh i realized what they meant and i was like oh yes 
right this way, sir. Let <laughs> <laughs> me show you. Hey, Jake, where are we today? Hey, where's I'm my glad, GPS? I'm glad you asked because we're coming at you guys live. We're, we all muted ourselves because we're on a Zoom call with all of E3. 3,000 people just sweaty and huffing and puffing and cosplaying from their homes trying to figure say, say out hi, E3. it's really sad <laughs> to try have you ever if you've never seen a cosplayer try to like angle and contort their bodies to show off their costume through a zoom mm-hmm. call uh you have not yet lived <laughs> yikes i i can't imagine the horror. The only benefit is they get to bring in their foam weapons before they were not allowed because, God forbid, if they have Nerf swords. I mean, we you, can't have a, a boffer fight break out in the middle of E3. That'd be yeah, chaos. It'd you, be ridiculous. You put an awful idea into my head, Jake. Mm-hmm. And that's that there is definitely someone who has been on a Zoom call with a hentai background. Oh, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Like if I had a better relationship with my coworkers, I would do that. <laughs> Just a Instead big, of the, do- the Nakamura pillows in the fucking background of your if your wife. If, if they would appreciate the joke, I would a hundred percent have like a green screen with some anti pack. Well, no, you don't even need a green screen. You can already do that in Zoom. They have a background function where you can take an image, put it in the background, and it because you know we live in the age where facial recognition technology is scarily dystopian the video will cut out your face it'll do an automatic cut out live feed mask of your body and then put the background in behind yeah. you that's why you can like people have taken uh screenshots that's of them <laughs> they've taken like screenshots of them like just looking focused and then save that as their background and then walk away <laughs> yeah. it's pretty it's pretty impressive can, can you use a video and just like have uh, have a video of you nodding intermittently. That would be amazing. I haven't seen that yet, but that I thought that's where the next step is. Is put like a little uh, a gif of them just mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Good point. <laughs> One of these days, somebody will master the technology, and then we can all slack Someday. off easier. Someday love will find you. Um, we got trailers to talk about. Today. We finally do. <laughs> yeah. We have trailers, both game and movie alike, but mainly game. But there's surprisingly also a lot watch. of movie trailers. I have, I have a few. Um, st- we'll start. I want to start just with an image that I shared to the Discord. Um, if you look up one day at a time animated special. Uh, for I guess around season three, they're doing an animated special. This is the Cuban American sitcom Netflix show about a family in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I just like sure, whatever, fine. I'm sure people who like it, they'll be like, oh, an animated special. But I'm looking at this, and it's looking yikes. This, yeah, this the, looked like a boardwalk caricature artist just was given license to make an episode yeah. of an animated TV show. It looks like someone did it on their uh, drawing tablet in about 15 minutes. Yeah, which um, I, I would assume they were. Like, they probably paid two to five people to make this whole episode. Yeah, they don't they don't look like individual characters. They definitely look like they were characters of the, the voice actors. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's working. Because I'm guessing because the voice actors couldn't get, get together to film an episode, so they just got their voice work in. Uh, I don't know how the audio is going to be on that. But Was this not... Is this not like normally a live action show? And it are is, these not just it, models of the characters of the show? Yeah, it's normally a live action show. Um, okay. Oh. So. Yeah. So this is just a one off special, which I feel like they just did to pad out coronavirus time. Yeah. Um, and Lin, Lin Manuel Miranda is going to come in. I think he's the guy in oh. the bike shirt with the froofy hair. Maybe. No, um, he's, maybe he's the guy next to him. He's the guy with the oh. pockets. That's Lin Manuel Miranda. That's why he looked familiar. I was like, oh, fuck. the most yeah. the most nondescript looking of the bunch. Yeah, because he's a guest on the show, and they couldn't caricaturize him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like when The Simpsons brings on the celebrity guest, sort of. Although yeah, no, they usually typically they, do a pretty good job with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, most celebrities enjoy being Simpsonized. I would think. I know I was once on The Simpsons. All right. Um, Speaking of uh, incompetent fathers, uh, dads, not the sitcom that failed and burned, uh, never to be seen on this earth while while it rotates on its axis. Um, We're talking about the Bryce Dallas Howard directed miniseries on Apple TV in which Various celebrities talk about kids being dads, yeah, being fathers. They, they oh, it's have... just on Apple TV. I so I heard yes. about this yeah. as like an advertisement for like men's Dove soap. <laughs> yeah, okay, I believe it. For some reason, it's sponsored by Dove men's soap, <laughs> and they're just like, we also help make a uh, documentary about being a dad. Well, I think the the Dove Men's like soap ad campaign is sort of like, dads, don't just drink football and fucking like, hit people. You're not you're not fucking Hank Hill out here. Although Hank Hill was a reasonable father. Yeah, Hank Hill was a good good dad. Who Um, he did connect with his son on on his own level. It was great. Good job, Hank Hill. He'd get into the things that his son. I always remember the the fucking um episode where bobby gets into like competitive rose growing oh <laughs> hank hill gets like super into it he's like i need to remove an interior petal <laughs> give me my tools <laughs> that reminds me of the uh the bob's burgers episode where he gets into competitive uh uh dining room like a table setting oh okay table arrangements <laughs> they have like themes for each one and Bob was like this is dumb but then he gets all into it because they're good dads just like Hank Hill wasn't a fan of Rose growing at first but then he had to find the find the the spirit of competition because he's like oh Bobby you are being football we're in Texas and I'm a propane man Feel the power of my stand. Propane <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> that's that's a classic video. Classic memes. Yeah. So I mean, like, I conceptually, I think this is good. I think the the role of fathers in our society is very much uh, ignored in this era of uh, we need to build up 
everyone else. Yeah. But uh, I think it's it cannot. As someone who did not have the best relationship with their father as a child, I can tell you that it has uh, done damage to me psychologically. <laughs> um, so be be a good dad if you have kids. Yeah. Be be prepared and be a good dad. Spend time with your kids. Yeah, and too many times Don't we focus it. on dumb fucking women. I'm like, finally, a movie about men. I'm kidding. For legal reasons, that was a joke. (laughs) Legally, I must inform you that that is a joke. (laughs) No, but it's cool to see this. Um, uh, I I hope they... I kind of hope they mix it. I thought I remember seeing in the the Doves Men commercial uh, where there was like everyday normal uh, civilian dads, like non-celebrity dads. Uh, as yeah, well as giving the their testimony. That, that's the thing about this that uh, kind of seems hollow. Yeah. Is that, like, the Bryce Dallas Howard comes in, and she's like, you know, I wanted to, like, see what it's like, you know, all these people and their thoughts about being a dad, but it's all, like, celebrities. And being a celebrity dad, you know, it's a whole different ball game from being a regular yeah. dad because, like, these guys have obscene amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And like not normal nine to five jobs Although, that they have to balance with their kids. That would be an interesting show. Like you could make thing out of that celebrity dads versus like layperson dads. Yeah, I a, think that's kind of what Jake was talking yeah. about to I, have that counter perspective. Yeah, I, I think I think it'd be really cool that I I'm I'm hoping that's where this goes. Uh, I, I mean, maybe they they can't do it because of COVID reasons, but if they could like get the two like the celebrity dads and the uh normal dads um just talking and like comparing their lives uh i think that'd be a really cool look at it because you're right yeah the the civilian dads are gonna have normal nine to five jobs and they're gonna have the normal hours and they might have more time with their kids but you know the celebrity dads might be like oh i have to go on some stints of like not seeing my kid for for a week or two weeks at a time and and that really hurts so it'd be interesting to get a look at that but then again you know the civilian dads are like well we have to worry about you know paying a mortgage every month we we weren't able to buy our house outright and you know you have all these issues that you don't have to worry about but at the the trade-off is find like after school care programs yeah, and, yeah. you know like they can't just hire a nanny yeah so it, it'll be interesting i i hope that's what they that's where they take it uh yeah i won't i won't watch it to find out because i don't have <laughs> apple tv <laughs> i don't have apple tv nor a, a strong interest in this show <laughs> i don't really but click hey. with it because i'm pretty sure i don't have kids i could be wrong uh yeah. sorry to any of my well, exes who I have. Uh, Thought you were joking. <laughs> I have animal kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kid. Yeah, you almost had a real kid. What? You were about. We you were one fucking a butterfly flap away from having an actual <laughs> being an actual baby daddy at one point. I don't think uh, we can talk about that this tr- on the cast. No, for legal purposes, that is also a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's normal oh. for all of us guys to have at least a few pregnancy scares in a day. 
<laughs> and then you're like, all right, what's my escape plan? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it's for legal purposes. This is a joke, but you know, I will say, uh, just never believe a bitch who says she's on birth control unless you see her take the goddamn pill. <laughs> they be crafty. They may try to trap you. It's a really easy lie to pull off. <laughs> oh, speaking of pregnancy scares. Will Ferrell's new movie. Oh? Eurovision. <laughs> that was... This is a pregnancy scare of a movie? It's like, ah, shit. No. If... Ah, <laughs> my life. That was almost real. <laughs> is this a fever She dream? said she was on the pill, but nine months later, Eurovision Song Contest came out. <laughs> I thought that was a joke. <laughs> I thought we were going to laugh Netflix about is... it. Netflix's condom broke. Yeah. And then you went and produced it. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, this trailer shows way too much as Netflix trailers are wont to do. Uh, a trailer should never be three minutes. I think that's just a hard, fast rule. That's yeah. like an excerpt from the movie. Like that's where, yeah. like for a trailer like that, what you need to do is you show the first action-packed scene. You show the hook of your movie. Yeah, like they did with Tenet. I don't know what movie it was. I think it was in front of Joker. They played like one of the scenes from Tenet where they're like in an opera house and they're doing some sort of like mission. And it was very, very interesting, very engaging. I didn't know what was happening. Cause I'm like, this doesn't look like Joker to me. Um, it wasn't yeah. until the very end that it said Tenet. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that was pretty fucking cool. Or you do a 40 minute TV special that you put in front of your movie. Olaf. <laughs> Never forgiven. Never forgiven. Never forgiven. Never forgiven. That's but why Eurovision I played Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Eurovision Song Contest. I did not see the subtitle, The Story of Fire Saga. So I, was, I saw Will Ferrell's face in the thumbnail, mm -hmm. and I saw Eurovision Song Contest, and I, my brain just could not connect these two parts. I was like, why? And then I clicked on it, and yeah. it's like the story of fire saga i'm like oh okay so the premise i can tell you this whole movie because they pretty much did a small <laughs> miniaturized version of this so uh Again, just will ferrell and rachel mcadams play um people in a band called fire saga they're icelandic mm -hmm. and they want to win the eurovision song contest and through uh some form of debauchery they're selected to represent iceland for those of you who don't know the eurovision song contest is like an american idol style uh pan europa song show uh, song show where one musical act and they can be professional musical acts that's kind of where it's different mm -hmm. from a lot of the same competitions you see in america uh represents their particular country and they they play a song or maybe it's more than one, but usually it's just a song, and then everyone votes on their favorite song, and that act wins. And surprisingly, it does not always turn out to be the most populous country <laughs> that wins. It, right. it is far less a popularity contest than you would see in an American singing show. Mm -hmm. And but, the reason it's selected here is because, uh, in addition to the songs being from like just everywhere... The production value is wild and, and meme worthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is where we got Epic Sax guy from. He was, I want to say, uh, some oh fuck, 
like Bolivia, not <laughs> one of a B. It starts with a B. Shit. Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Maybe. Let me. Uh, let's Belgium? confirm. Epic yeah, sex guy country. Botswana. Uh, oh, Mol. Uh, he's Moldo. It's for Moldova. 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 Okay. So not a Moldova. Yes. Moldova. Um, Grave tide. <laughs> and so this is the guy's name is Sergey Igorovich Stepanov from. Of course uh, it is. Yeah, that makes sense. Tran Transnistria. <laughs> In Moldova, <laughs> these all sound made up. <laughs> Transnistria. None of that sounded real. At Peter, all. your improv is really, really good today. <laughs> like, it's fucking choice, kids. That sounds like something that would come out of a fucking Mad Lib, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and the band is called Sunstroke. Uh, you also got such favorites as uh, Lordy with their song Hard Rock Hallelujah, uh, a band notable for dressing up like demons and having fireworks and they're shooting out their guitars. Oh my the song God. was actually pretty good. Uh, it won that year. Uh, they're nice. Finnish. Um, yeah, so uh, Will Ferrell, uh, his dad is Pierce Brosnan. Which I find funny because if I'm not mistaken, they're either very close in age or Will Ferrell might actually be older than Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yeah. That was Pierce Brosnan. Jeez. There are two yeah. kinds of men in this world. One who takes salt. Uh, what's the fucking Rogaine for men? Salt and pepper, whatever the fuck. And people who take the blonde hair dye. The uh, Just for Men Touch Grey. Yeah. That's the one. All right, so Pierce Brosnan is 67, and Will Ferrell is 52. So he is quite a bit older, however. That's still older <laughs> that's brother territory. 12 years. I've never, I've yeah. never heard of yeah. a 12-year-old having a kid. But hey. I've heard of a 13-year-old having a kid. Yes, but as long that's as a, you can, a, an abnormality. As long as yes. you can make the cream, you can make the dream. Anyways, oh. Uh, <laughs> the father is uh, not a fan of Will Ferrell, and that's a running joke that's going to get really old really fast in this movie that nobody really likes this band, uh, th this duo. Yeah, um, They mm -hmm. are made fun of in front of their face. They are made fun of, uh, they are like, like groaned at or booed when they're yeah. playing a live show. The dad says, you're a disgrace to me. Uh, they do some Will Ferrell style comedy, like I it. Some of it's very Will Ferrelly, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I don't know. I guess not. Uh, this one so. I think was one of the ones that fell short. Like when when Rachel McAdams is like, um, she's like, oh, I'm sure your dad was drunk, and then he's like, oh, and then he said, I'm sure you're thinking I'm drunk, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm just like you may oh. think I am drunk, but I assure you I am Stone completely sober. Um, um, let's talk yeah. about scenes that are definitely going to be in this movie, even though they weren't in the trailer, because this looks fairly formulaic. Um, we got this. There's going to be the scene where uh, he makes a scene at a restaurant in front of his father. <laughs> like they ask him to play a set or something like they're at a bar and he's trying to reconcile his father. It's like, this is my choice, Faza, Faja. 
this is what I want to do. And someone, and so it's like, we, our band is out. We need a gig for, for the next set. And he's like, okay, I'll show you now. I'll show you my dream, Fasha. He goes up and he does some like weird ass. And he's like, are you proud of me? Are you proud? Oh, there's there's definitely going to be a flashback scene when like Will Ferrell's a kid. And he still has the long and ass hair. And he still has the long ass hair. And it, Pierce... no, he looks like old Will Ferrell. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be like 18 in the flashback, but yeah. he's going to look the same. And they're going to make some weird like USSR joke. Because, well, Iceland, no, it's not in the USSR, but a lot no, of these. Iceland was on the other side, side of, of the continent. Um, so maybe not that. Um, Detached but it's gonna from be the continent, some, really. <laughs> yeah. They're going to make some weird Europe jokes, I feel like. Just like, oh, I'm so European. Aren't I crazy? Um, yeah, you're going to have names like... Uh, Transistria and Sergei Higurvat <laughs> Stepanov. Yes, there's gonna, um, Oh, what's the fucking fermented uh, shark? I want. I think that's Icelandic. Yes, it is. They're gonna make a fucking Hakarl joke where they go and have a party. He's like, "We're going to celebrate in the traditional Icelandic way with Hakarl, and it's notorious for being disgusting. Uh, <laughs> such that the way to prepare it is you. Cr- it's in a can." You crack the can underwater to suppress the smell outside. That's how nasty it is. So they're going to open it in the hotel room, and he's just going to start vomiting everywhere. Okay. Right? So It's so tasty. (laughs) Try its hot delicacy. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then we we also have uh, the the villain of of the movie... Yeah. Who comes in, he's like another contestant in the show and tries to steal Rachel McAdams away or something. Well, I mean, Rachel McAdams, there, there's a scene they show where like the romance subplot emerges and she goes to kiss him and he's like, no, it always ruins the band. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. gonna fuck later. I'm t- just know. It's just, it's just gonna happen. Uh, and he will eventually earn his father's begrudging respect in a very comedic fashion. Yep. In a stepbrother's fashion, where he's gonna confide, confide in him that he also had a weird dream. Yeah. Like when the dad and stepdad's like, I wanted to be a dinosaur. <laughs> Made my arms real short. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a dinosaur. It's impossible. <laughs> so, the only thing I wish out of this movie is that the female lead was like the female just the female version of john c riley i just want a female john c riley who would that be like molly shannon i don't think it exists <laughs> we haven't made the con the conversion yet um, what if we just put john c riley in drag <laughs> i i might watch that you know what this really reminds me of is pitch perfect because there's gonna be I so many scenes with like the when they're doing the songs and then they're gonna have the announcer just do like make commentary over it and like that's gonna be the main focus of it instead of the songs. You know who would have been great at that? <sighs> yeah, Fred Willard. Yeah, Fred Willard. Rip. Oh, he w- and he was what? He was in Blades of Glory, right? Probably was he? I mean, I'm sure that Let me it's another Will Ferrell movie, so I wouldn't be surprised. Willard Blades 
Oh, no. Great. Yeah, I didn't get a hit. He was in me. Ron. Was he in? Yeah, he was. Of course, Anchorman. What the fuck am I talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Help, Peter. Man, he looked very, uh, very frail towards the end there. Yeah, if if you see the, um, I don't know if you've watched Space Force at all, but his scenes in Space Force, uh, I I don't know if he was hamming it up for it. I'm hoping he was, but he was like shaking, and it looked too real. It was like, mm. is does he actually oh. have like? Is he shaking because he's old, or is he shaking because he's that the, the character has Parkinson's a little bit? But it was it was just it was kind of eerily too much, and I was like, ah, and then he he's dead, and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> Space Force, and so oh god, there's that whole copyright thing where yeah, the, that, there's gonna be a copyright dispute between the branch of the government oh my and god. fucking the Netflix show. So so 2020. Yeah. Put that on your bingo card yeah. and smoke it. Who had Wolf who had man. copyright Wolf. dispute between a Netflix show and <laughs> the military? I didn't have that. I didn't have woke NASCAR. I was yeah. <laughs> fucking. It's wild. Yeah, out woke here. NASCAR. <laughs> like like no that's working. like that's uh, is that really even woke or is that like yeah? This it's, is probably it's, time it's, we do away with a fucking monument to it's a, woke a for NASCAR power. <laughs> yeah, I'll call it. I'll call it passive progressive at the very least. It's like when people bitch about like the Confederate general statues being taken down. I'm like, why would you have a monument to a hostile foreign power in your country? Yeah, that'd be like if we had a monument to Saddam Hussein in like North Dakota. Like, yes. Go back to your own country. Oh wait, you can't because we beat it when you <laughs> tried to fucking secede. It's not even the right Confederate flag, idiot. That always gets my goat too. But them Duke boys had it on their car. But yep. yeah, they did. So it must be the right one. I, Let's not worry I about historical don't... context at all. There was there are kids at my school who would insist that it was the battle flag of Virginia, um, which it very may very well be, I guess. But damn, if the common connotation isn't fucking the, the secessionists, states of America, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's sort of death of the author on that one. Um, this I, just the fucking wildest story for me again. The weird, the weirdest one. I don't know. It was some some variety of internalized racism or something. I I can't speak for this guy, but there was a black uh, co student st- fr- friend student. I don't know. I wasn't like super close classmate? to him, but we were cl- classmate. That's the one. Um, <laughs> we were on uh, spring break vacation and like uh, like the class trip went down to Virginia Beach, and he got he got a henna tattoo of the fucking Confederate flag. Maybe like, he's just you... a Skinnerd fan. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, I don't know. Last I heard, he was a firefighter. He's doing awesome. What? What? Good you know, for you, Ken. What would like be the most shocking twenty twenty? I don't think anyone would have this big word if like Leonard Skinnerd or Ted Nugent, uh, like distanced themselves from the Confederate flag. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Let I want to see Ted Nugent fucking fight the institution. Just you just gotta really pitch him on the like the pro Second Amendment stuff. Like the police are coming and they can fight us, and we need to fight back against them. He's like, "All right, give me my fucking arsenal out there. I'll bring the whole militia." 
Yeah. You know, the part see- of the Second Amendment that everyone always, like, conveniently forgets. The part about the well-regulated militia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want Ted Nugent and his posse to play a fucking concert at the picket line. <laughs> right? On one side, it's the po-po. On one side, it's the pro-pro. There's a 70-year-old night man from Night Ranger in there. Get him. <laughs> uh, Ted Nugent was not in Night Ranger, but he was in the super group called Damn Yankees, where it was Ted Nugent, a guy from Styx, and a guy from Night Ranger. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Uh, and they had so one putting... music video where Ted Nugent deflects bullets with the power of his rocking. <laughs> Fantastic. What the shit? That sounds like some Eurovision stuff. <laughs> and we've gone full circle, kids. <clears throat> yeah, um, we did it. Brought it around. Yeah, that's on my. So that's on my bingo card now for the rest of the year. We'll see. All right. Um, and then we have um, Saul Skyman. Saul Skyman, or, or as as it's known by its actual name, Skyman. Um. <laughs> It's I think it's land, a, man. A, like a a documentary <laughs> kind of deal. Like I don't know. Um so a kid was so the story the story of the the movie or documentary I I'm not sure if it's a true story or thing. But a uh, kid was visit there is a there is a UFO sighting and a kid says he was visited by a sky man. And years later, as an adult, he's he's getting signs that he has to come back and try and make contact again. So it, from the trailer, it looks like uh, he just sets up a satellite dish, a shipping crate house and a trailer in the middle of the desert and just hangs out waiting so, for aliens. Uh-huh. Neil Breen style. Yeah. How many cans tuna does he have? You know, not, not entirely different. Uh, this could be the man that Double Down was based on. The, I put the trailer in the... Um, yeah, I'm watching it now. It's... Does he have a magic cancer? <clears throat> I, maybe. Uh, in don't know. reported a, seeing a triangle-shaped object in the skies of Barstow, California. <laughs> Comments are turned off. <laughs> yep. This uh, yeah, this does look like the production values of it. It looks like a. I would say this is probably a this is Spinal Tap sort of like mockumentary, a what I we would, do in the uh, shadows sort of deal. I would hope. Is so. it a mockumentary? Or is um, it? I mean, the way it's shot, it's shot to look like a documentary, but also. Like the events that I'm seeing in the trailer are yeah. certainly not real. <laughs> yeah, it does seem very forced. So who knows how legit it is, or they might just be hamming uh, it up for the haha's. Sticking to the skies, Prime Video has a new movie starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is a fine actor, called mm-hmm. uh, Seventy Five Hundred. Is a movie about a plane hijacking. And it's one of those movies that seemingly takes place in one room, essentially. It's just going to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt acting his best in the cockpit uh, as these hijackers kill hostages. And uh, he has to try to figure out a way to save as many people in the plane. Uh, I, I I think this would be a movie that would be frustrating for me to watch because... 
uh, very little of substance will actually happen. Yeah, unless uh, there's right. a crazy twist. I, I don't really know what there's, like, gonna be. I mean, most of it just seemed like <clears throat> the um, the terrorists were bringing people up, and, and there's a love interest uh, that's on the plane with them. Well, his girlfriend, I think, is just on the plane with him. Uh, she's a stewardess. Yeah. Uh, or flight attendant. I'm sorry, that was insensitive of me. So- and I formally apologize to all my flight attendant people out there. What would be the apologize. male what would be the male uh equivalent of stewardess? Steward. Like, steward, I guess, yeah. Yeah. But that sounds like just like a custodian of records. I think that's why uh, I, I think that's why I changed it to like flight attendant. Because like I, stewardesses were like yeah. uh, they felt it was sexist, maybe. Uh, I don't know. All I know is that I'm pretty sure that there is a like there is a there was a wardrobe requirement for stewardesses to like you know be pretty and all that. I'm pretty sure there's a requirement that all male flight attendants must be bald. Right? I can't. I've never. Yeah. I can't picture a flight attendant, a male flight attendant with hair. Or well, awkwardly tall. I've seen a few with hair, but yes. they're all like and awkwardly they're like, tall. They're bent over the whole yeah. time, like fucking. Eeyore. And there is a weird stereotype, and I'm not sure why, that like most of them are gay. She said, "I, I, I had a friend. Yeah. I have a friend who who's a flight attendant, and I asked her about it, because and she's like, out of like the like the the six or seven guys that were in her class for flight attendant school." Uh, like, I like five five out of the seven guys were gay, five or six were gay, Very and she's like most of the ones she runs into are are gay. I don't know why. Uh, something about the travel. I mean, yeah. like there are a lot of women in flight attendants, yeah. so like I feel I feel like there's some sort of shared interests between gay men and women, obviously men, but um, <laughs> ah! but some other tangential shared interests that kind of draw them to the same career fields a lot of the time. Yeah, some weird sort of I, bias thing there. Yeah, I think there's a I, little bit in like soul searching, to be quite honest, because it's a lot of travel. You get a lot of travel in, and, and travel is usually a part of like finding who you are and, and exploring the world and they don't have to be tied down to anything uh, at the moment. Yeah. Be your own this independent is, person. This is where I would recommend um, the documentary uh, Why Do I Sound Gay? This is, it's sort of an ex, it's a documentary about a dude who's trying to figure out why he sounds gay and why the uh, the affect is so common among people. I was just thinking about the intersectionality of, of gay men and, and femininity or feminine spaces. I don't know. Trying to connect things here. Yeah, it is. It is kind of an interesting, uh, like thought experiment, as to why there's no like to our knowledge currently there's no biological reason yeah. that people are or are not homosexual, yet they do tend to share a lot of similar physical characteristics that's and it's not like a choice it's like that's just yeah it's a compulsion like like i mean that that sounds worse it's 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 an innate trait yeah not a compulsion yes uh yeah it's it's very interesting uh i think that's one of the few areas of psychology that i would be kind of interested to like read papers on uh Mm -hmm. a lot of it's just like bullshit pontification but I think if you could find some concrete links there, that'd be kind of interesting reading. 
Um, uh, either way, it's a topic that we would be out of our depth on. Yes. Uh, oh, we'll talk about it anyway. For sure. Uh, and more to the point, um, I have to ask about the 7500 movie. Um, is it all in one, like, or all the scenes that were shown in the trailer in one room? It's... Well, they show a little bit of the plane, but, like, the whole thing is, like, the he can't open the cockpit door to yeah. let them in. He's, he's barricaded okay. himself into the cockpit. The, the, the pilot's injured. Uh, you know, his love interest is out there with the passengers. Uh, there's a point where he says they don't have guns, they don't have knives. If you all work together, you can take them out. It just, it's a bunch of clips. Like, he's in the cockpit, he's on the phone communicating with the high would-be hijackers yeah and uh like so you see like the little security camera mm-hmm. view of the aisleway and the cockpit and that's really from the looks of things that seems where 98 percent of this movie is going to take place yeah it really does. so what this sounds to me like is this is something that would better be served as a one-man play rather than a movie if it takes place in one location and has a very limited cast, I would like to see this on the stage, on the theater. Well, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a is a man who's done his fair share of theater. Um, I could see possibly this being adapted to the stage, but I feel like that'd be kind of... I think it'd be harder to do like this exact story on stage because... Like, you need the exterior shots and contextualization mm-hmm. of the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I don't know, the way you've described it to me, I was just like, immediately, I was like, black stage, like three chairs, like a, a cockpit sort of bare set, maybe a projector to show the camera screen of the rest of the plane, you know, where he can look up, he can look at the uh, the footage or the cam- the security camera view and it's shown on the projector to the audience, and you could like the whole thing. No, oh, and it's um, a separate spotlight. And, and then let your mind uh, imagine the rest. Remember his TV show that he made for a while? Um, I watched one episode of. I do not. Let me let me look up the uh, not Joseph Godron uh, TV show uh, show. What the fuck is the name of it? Oh, Hit Record. Hit Record on TV. That was from 2014 to 2015. It was like a weird variety show type of thing that he was the host of. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it was like a bunch of assorted clips. So he's a very, he's a very like arty kind of uh, presentation focused sort of dude. So I could, I, that, that just lends it more to the idea of me like this should be, this should be on Broadway. Well, I feel like once when, when you're a child actor, as he was, um, and you do a lot of acting, traditional acting as a child, you want to like experiment more as an adult because you've, you know, you've made your nut as a yeah. toddler. <laughs> See uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. And Swiss Army um, Man. <laughs> yep. Really going out there. Maybe, maybe Rupert Grint. I don't know what he's doing. I think he's just happily living off of the residuals for the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, Freeform has that Harry Potter weekend, and he's like, "Well, there's my salary." All right, that's uh, that's another two hundred thousand dollars for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, um, 
Well, I guess uh, the big trailer we need to talk about today is the trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think, is the, the biggest one. Um, uh, so, I haven't really watched the other Bill and Ted's. I've seen bits of it. I know it's about going back in time and, and talking to, like, uh, historical figures. Like, I think Bach might be one of them. And maybe some scientists. Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, it's a stoner comedy adventure sort of dealio. Mm-hmm. Um, my main... Ex- I have not seen either Bill and Ted movies. My experience with Bill and Ted is the stage show at Universal Studios Orlando during ho- uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, they do a pop culture satire show uh, with the Bill and Ted uh, property. Um, mm-hmm. And that's always really good. I don't know if the movies are of similar quality or not. Um, I I watched um, not Excellent Adventure. It was Bogus Journey, which was the second one. I don't yeah. know. My family has this fucking thing where we don't own the first of any series <laughs> of movie. We have the second Bill and Ted movie. We have Star Wars three. We have fucking Star Trek the movie too. Not not. I mean, Into Darkness. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shrek <Darkness>. four. <laughs> fucking we yes. Like no, actually, we have Shrek on tape. We have Shrek on VHS. Ooh, that's a we relic. Have Ice Age on VHS. That's a relic, dude. Well, that belongs in I Ice own, Age. I own Batman Beyond on every form of media that's ever been released. Uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker on every form of media it's ever been released on. <laughs> I have the VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. It's just worth. Two but, versions um... of the Blu-ray, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and I streaming, so I, technically. I, yes. have to rant. <laughs> I have to rant about my family's VHS yeah, collection. Go ahead. Because it is... It is um, volumetric, I guess is the way to put it, uh, in that it fills up, like, tubs and bookshelves and interstitial spaces everywhere in the house. There are <laughs> there are ones, like, ones that appeal to the family, like Caddyshack and, uh, you know, the aforementioned Shrek fam- family <laughs> films. And then there's, like old talkies from the 50s like from before the 50s uh like shit like um every easter we watch fucking like easter parade that's that's like our tradition that's my dad's tradition we have like the we have the hugh jackman oklahoma we have ben hur we have fucking lawrence of arabia on tape oh my that fit on one tape no (laughs) okay I think it's a box set. <laughs> it's like and just Titanic so, and The Godfather. When they come on two VHS tapes, you know it's for real. <laughs> yeah. I love you, Dad. But, like, if I come in on one more Saturday and the tub is open and you're sitting on the couch just fucking leaning forward looking at some movie that I've never heard of <laughs> in between cleaning the bathroom and tending the garden... I'll still hug you because I love you. With you know, shit's playing in the background. <laughs> you know, shit's about to get real when the tub opens in the house Hoskins household. <laughs> it's either the tub of VHSs or the tub of Legos when we were a kid. Like mm-hmm. you know, it was a great day in the Hoskins household. You when hear that panting <laughs> burp? <laughs> yep, you hear the burp. The blanket comes out, and you invert the entire fucking uh, 
Rubbermaid tub onto a blanket, and you just have the whole day to just fuck around with Legos. It was the best. Yeah. Um, this movie, like, I don't know. I feel like the villains had stuff worked in the '90s, and we're in this era of like '90s is now the retro chic because it's been 30 years. That's right. Um, and uh, we're getting all these '90s properties being revived, like Bad Boys. Uh, but some of these actors are just a little too old to be pulling off these characters, and. When I saw well, Keanu looks yeah. largely the same, um, mm-hmm. but when I saw who's the other guy, uh, Alex Winter, I was like, "Oh man, you got some major Billy Zapka face yeah. going on here." <laughs> where you have seen your better days, you were a little too old to be playing this role. Is that like the plot of this movie, though? Like, Not and I, really. it makes sense. I mean, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like they're just doing bill and ted stuff like they're, well, they they didn't really have any jokes about how they're older or anything it's just the same sort of like we got to write this song and like instead of going to the past i guess the the gimmick for this is they're going to the future oh, um, i thought like the because that seemed like the setup to me was that they're they were told that they would save the world with the song and now they're old and washed up which to me, it makes sense. Like I, th- I feel like that's how a lot of '90s movies are gonna be rebooted, uh, because a big, tr- a big thematic element in a lot of '90s pop culture was like losers, like being a loser or like a, like a washout. A lovable loser. Yeah, um, it's important to say. So, the natural carry forward of that is instead of a person who like didn't have you know who's kind of a loser in the prime of their life now you have a guy people who were maybe like heroes in the prime of her life and now they're losers you know yeah. uh so is, uh, we'll see there but it's in the title too bill and ted face the music where they're like oh you're not getting any younger kids but like if they go to the future they meet themselves in the future so are they still supposed to be like younger as yeah like, like that's this? the thing is like you know they're going to the future to the point where they've already written the song yeah to take it from them so like unless the payoff is that they either a never wrote the song or b they're like 98 years old then i don't really think they're really kind of like harping up how much they've aged yeah yeah and so, it's also missing a very important piece of this puzzle, George Carlin. Yeah. Oh. He was an iconic piece of Bill and Ted. And uh that that can't be shoehorned in here. So that can't be le- replicated. I would love obviously CGI George Carlin. <laughs> oh no, don't do the fucking Grand Moff Tarkin Carrie Fisher splicing. If they lean into it. <laughs> And you just like a like a bad like three D render, like T posing. <laughs> I feel like that's no disrespectful. One, no one mentions You know what it. I hate about society? <laughs> I actually in Austin Powers something, something like that would be that would be a funny Austin Powers gimmick where it's like, but Austin he's not in the movie. We haven't hired him. He's retired. Well, that's all right, baby. We'll just CGI him in. <laughs> and you just. And they just, whichever character they want to fucking pull in. 
You know what? I'll love in like maybe 40 years when they do, when they reboot the Mike Myers movies and Mike Myers is dead. And then I have to CG Dr. Evil and Austin Powers and Fat Bastard. I, I don't can only hope. know that you could reboot uh, Austin Powers. I don't think it would end well for anyone. Unless it was. Like, you could do Austin Powers 4. I'm not saying don't do Austin Powers 4, Mike Myers, please. I mean, yeah, we talked about this when we reviewed Goldmember. And that, like, while there's really nothing particularly inflammatory about the Austin Powers movies, I don't think they'd be particularly well-received in today's climate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we kind of uh, saw that with the, the Love Guru in 2011. It was a very... It was not executed nearly as well, but it was a very yeah. similar style of comedy, and it did not do well. Yeah. Love Guru was um, bad. <laughs> Yikes. So I don't know. But yeah, that's Bill and Ted. Uh, we're running a little long here, so unless you have any like major trailers you want to talk about now, I think we can. Oh, no, shit, let's we're continue. in. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so box office, once again, the wretched hanging on top. The box office doubled this, this past week, BT dubs. So with $207,000 up 18% and in 24 more theaters is the wretched from IFC films. It's made a total gross of $1.1 million in six weeks. Jesus. Jesus. As the number one movie for most of that run too. And I'm, I'm wondering what theaters are open. I'm wondering if these are like drive-ins because I haven't heard of like AMC being open anywhere. No, they're, I, wonder uh, they're... I mean, we don't know that AMC is going to be open anywhere. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there are drive-ins and independently owned theaters. Okay. Um, yeah, places like that. Uh, Becky. The Kevin James uh, oh, neo-Nazi yeah. Home Alone in That's the Woods. That's right. Home Alone Cabin in the Woods crossover with Kevin James as a Fuck. neo-Nazi. That's what we should have watched this week. We should have tried to find that on streaming. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's going to be the best it's comedy Redbox. of the year. It's a Redbox oh, exclusive. Oh, yeah, Redbox exclusive. So here, For all here's the crackheads and methods. Here's my dilemma with Becky. Um, so, like, normally a movie like Becky or The Fanatic is something that I would I would want us to watch when we when we all coalesce. But I also really want to watch together Big Shark, Tommy Wiseau's uh movie. <laughs> yeah. Apparently Tommy Wiseau tried doing like a sitcom. Yes, I've and heard of that and it is evidently bad in a bad way. Is evidently far worse than any of his other stuff. From what I have heard. Uh, it was on Hulu, I think. I don't know if it's still on Hulu. But the, uh, there were many criticisms about uh, not just the quality, but the content. Um, so Becky opened in second with $205,000 in 45 theaters. $4,500 per theater take. That is the most of anywhere else. So Becky is... <laughs> Really, really kicking ass here. Uh, Max Winslow in the House of Secrets up 189.6% from last week, making a whopping $1,231 in five theaters. 
Um, that's not even that's not in there for the month, kids. Strike. Oh God. Uh, the mole movie in fourth, down from third, down forty three point seven percent. Sex oh, in man. the future. A yep. movie. Uh, well, I'll just read you the description. When misfits Barry and Evan designed their ideal woman as a robot, they realized a fortune could be made if they had the money to mass produce their prototype. A wealthy prince soon finds out about their invention, and the three hatch a plan to rule the world and change sex in the future if life were that simple. So basically, you take the premise of weird science and then you just do nothing uh, redeeming about it. And of course, this movie has a 1.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Oof. And whenever we find something that low, it just automatically has to be our spotlight film. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. And we found it. It has seven reviews in more or less the correct proportions for it to be our spotlight film. So yeah. here it is, Sex in the Future. And I'll, I'll lead off here with Adam from Distant Land. Not a distant land, but Adam from Distant Land. Uh, his review of Sex in the Future, 10 out of 10. I didn't expect the laugh, but six, uh, June 6, 2020. Uh, movie starts with Orientalist point of view, but somehow it makes you want to continue watching. Acting is better than the story itself. Besides the topic of interaction between humans and artificial intelligence, intelligent robots is quite novel in 2020. Is it? I feel like that's a concept that's been done to death. <laughs> yeah. There are many when... philosophical debate topics in this movie. One out of four found it helpful. Oh my god. Wow. I I can't I can only imagine what philosophical debates are in this movie. I right. I was struck by the uh, first sentence of orientalist point of view. Orientalist. Oh. Hmm. Curry, you are going to your second one is going to be Randy Randy Verguson's yes, review, right? Yes, it is. Okay, thank God. Of course I saw it. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Well, although shout out, shout out to the the other 10 out of 10 yeah. review. There are only three. Yeah. One of them is way to go, Ethan. Ethan. Hey. Well, lots of Paul Hawkinson says, "Don't waste your time on this one with a two out of ten review." Well, needless to say, that there weren't much of any expectations for this 2020 movie titled "Sex and the Future," from directors Luis Carlos Huec and Ethan Z. Kaplan. That's an awesome middle name. Z-V-I? Z-V? Yeah. I mean, just look at the atrocious rating the movie has managed to land here on IMDb. But still, it was a movie that I hadn't seen before, and it was listed as a comedy. So I took the time to sit down and watch it. But as it turned out, after 37 minutes of pure boredom and pointlessness, I shouldn't even have bothered with it in the first place. This movie was boring unfathomably boring and pointless it wasn't because it was a bad low budget movie it was just horribly devoid of anything worthwhile watching in terms of an interesting storyline or characters the movie does have a sense of something that should have been made in the early 1990s or so to do it and maybe the movie belonged in that to that particular era but it was not feeling like a brand new movie that was made in 2020 
My rating of Sex in the Future is a mere 2 out of 10 stars, mostly because it did seem to have a proper production value to it, at least. 9 out of 11 found that helpful, so... Very Excellent. insightful. Yeah. Nifty. Uh, then I got one from Ops52535. Uh, Sex in the Future 2020. 3 out of 10. It's like the teen fantasy flicks from the 80s. Weird uh, science, yeah. But an, yeah. But an amateur level for sure. Because this feels like a blimp of a final exam for the local film and acting academy on a block somewhere in L.A., USA. It's a comedy sci-fi drama. Sorry. Comedy sci-fi drama film about, I guess, every male or to some degree female dream of making a functional sex doll robot. In the case here, it's two teenagers, boys, one tech nerd, and one aspiring actor in Casanova. The nerd has the idea, and the other makes plans for the development. Meanwhile, in Mahatmasan, somewhere in the Middle East, the royal family, with children scaling from 1 to 10 on the beauty scale, have a meeting. In the end, the ugly duckling who wants to be an actor, but who's denied that due to his ugly appearances, anesthetizes the family, grabs a suitcase of money, grabs his private secretary, and sets off to L.A. Not sets off. Sets off. Uh, to become an actor. The destiny of the story is that he comes to the same art school as the aforementioned teenager, and that's the start of the conglomerative story of making the sex doll robot, all one word. Uh, Middle Eastern men, known for its sex drive and harems, takes the real spin of the ground, and with buckets of money, the dream comes through. But remember, this is a very amateuristically made flick. The sound and film quality are near zero on a scale of ten. The acting are extremely lame with two or three exceptions, and the story and plot are hideous and oblivious in its appearance. The editing and direction do have a 1920s silent era management. It's saved by a hilariousness fantasy of the idea and score do function and gives the film some guts. I hung on till the bitter end mostly because of the idea. I've got millions of critical comments on my notepad, but I'll not mention them because I'm nothing more than a layman myself. Just say that it's not for the... F the what, 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 what the fuck is this word? The, the Feinschmaker? The Feinschmaker? The, the Feinschmaker. Mentok. The Feinschmaker. The Feinschmaker. <laughs> the... The fine schmaker of silver screen haute couture. Um, I, all right, I it's a know. German Hot word culture. to the surprise of no one. Um, it means gourmet or connoisseur. Okay. Finely made. I guess the fine the fine making. It was so. misspelled, though. Um. Okay. Good to know they spelled the word in a different language for an English review. Great. Um, it's not for the fine schmaker of silver screen haute couture. Uh, it's a very small recommend, especially for the young YouTubers around the world. It has a, a few laughs and hilarious funny moments. A week three from the grumpy old man. 30 out of 37 found this helpful. He said, you know, I hung on to the bitter end there, and I certainly hung on to the bitter end of that fucking Iliad review there. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Fucking Homer blushed at the length of that. Yeah, oh, I, it makes a lot of sense that this guy's German because some of these, some of these words are weird. Like "sex doll robot" is all one word. I like to imagine that "de sex doll robot." <laughs> de sex doll robot is ready for production. I mean, I'm sure he was a a fixture on the number one show in Germany. Who are you to accuse me? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think this is the best, the most helpful review on this for this movie, like 30 out of 37. Yeah, that's that's a high hit rate. Good fucking boy. All, All right. right. <laughs> now we get to the fucking meat of this stuff. Randy Verguzen <laughs> uh, reviewed Sex in the Future. He had nice things to say. 10 out of 10. This movie is amazing. Warning spoilers. There's so many messages in reflection outward and onwards. End of sentence. <laughs> then, between seri- then between scenes, they even give you some time to let it sink in. And yes, it's true. We've had similar movies with the dolls, wink, and has a big presence, the ellipses, basically just like anything else we've ever seen in any movie, comma, any ideas how many westerns they made? Two dots, not a full ellipses, two dots. Most, comma, if not all of them, had horses in the movie. So you see that it's basically another perspective which is opposite or exactly the same but different in every conceivable way. Beyond what you could think of, parentheses XD. <laughs> so yeah, it's a really good movie. Uh, two up arrows, I know not everything I write makes sense. Not sense, sense, comma, but why should it? Please make more movies to up arrows. But there's a line break. I feel that I have to, to point out that it's a new paragraph where it just says, please make more movies. And there's two more up arrows. This is his first review, by the way. Yeah. Um, and how helpful was it? Uh, two out of 21 seemed to take something away from that. Oh, nope. Wow. He's been an IMDb member for four months. Uh, Randy Verguzzi. Took him four months to write that review, kids. Yes. Well, Benny Aminradu, Benny Aminradu says, low budget all the way. One out of ten. It's short but sweet. They use real women to impersonate robots. That alone makes the movie bad. Unless you have nothing. I mean nothing to do with your life i would you get still nothing. not recommend this <laughs> eight out of ten found that helpful it seems like the low ratings are getting really helpful well no shit if the movie's bad <laughs> so like guys don't 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 even waste your time okay Jake, i have thanks to for helping me this is a 1.8 out of 10 i'm pretty sure double down was at least a three <laughs> yeah you yeah. have to really really mess up to to get that low on imdb yeah. Double Down was a yeah. 4.5. Uh, <gasps> <gasps> Bite your tongue. What? I want to look at the reviews on Double Down. <laughs> that's, a, that's a rabbit hole. Maybe we can Meanwhile. do that as like a, a, a YouTube extra. We just yeah, read yeah. IMDB user reviews of Double Down. <laughs> I'd be down with that. Um, while Jake's looking at that, I'll read Saptesh786's review. Uh, 3 out of 10. Average sex comedy, except Allure, which I think is someone's name, A L L U R. Jake just he just handed us the f- fucking the first fucking review of this shit for Double Down. Only a god could create this work of art. One out of ten. The feature review on Double Down. I just I hate to to hijack this, but I just have to write this. Sometimes you don't watch a film; rather, you survive it. And that was exactly how I felt watching Double Down. <laughs> well, didn't we watch Fateful Findings first? Yes, and I was angry. I remember punching the ground of the Honors House at AU 
cursing Jake's name for making me watch this. It was a painful yes. experience. Success. Yes. Um, all right. Let me let me read you off this one. All right. So only half only half a movie is comedy. Other half is just filling the up gap. Anyhow, starting is hopefully, and then half an, half a hour is good sex comedy. We can see like alert country and its ruler and family, but later it doesn't last comedy. It only goes anyhow to ending without thrill comedy or suspense. Leading actor as well, and others are average. It could have been a better comedy on such topic. Two out of three found this helpful. All right. Well, that's the number five movie in America. <laughs> it made a whole seven hundred and forty-five dollars in two theaters, which means, uh, like thirty people per theater saw it. I want. I want to go to Ebert in the nineties and be like, "All right, it's twenty twenty. The fucking." the top five list of movies in the country starts with sex in the future <laughs> at a 1.8 out of 10 rating, <laughs> making $700 in a week. You, it's up to you, Ebert. You have to figure out what, what the fuck happened. Uh, the Fox Hunter opened in six uh, with $602 in one theater. Uh, that's another Indican pictures movie. Uh, so I assume that those two were shown in like a double feature somewhere. Uh, circles down to seventh from fourth, fifty-eight fifty-eight percent drop, uh, three hundred sixty-five dollars. The trip to Greece uh, down to eight, but up thirty-four percent, and in four theaters, uh, eighty-seven dollar per theater take average. Eight people per theater, wow. thirty-two total people gross is dollars. Oh, that's that's Rough. a big goofer right there. Uh, and How to Build a Girl, uh, which somehow has made $69,000, um, rounds out the, the nine, the, not even the top 10. We still only have nine movies in cinemas right now. Uh, $207, which is a 58% increase. Uh, $51 per theater. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. It's the PS5. It's coming. It looks like a Wi-Fi router, and uh, it has an optional toast slot. Yeah, that it does, and it's also fucking huge. People are already making. Uh, so this is our feature. This is our feature. We're talking about the PS5 because EA3 didn't happen, so everyone's just going to have their directs. Yeah, uh, and there's... we're going to talk about the large ass console that is the PS5. Yeah. Uh, but we do have some other things to, to clean up first before we talk about the PS5, which we will talk about in depth as well as, uh, you know, serve speculations and, and such like that as we are want to do in this kind of things. But I have a game review and there are several other, uh, actually some pretty big stories. I think we should kick off with perhaps the biggest one, which is Warner Brothers gaming division uh, is likely to be sold at&t has who now owns warner brothers has decided that yeah maybe maybe we don't want to finance the video game division so they have they are shopping around currently warner brothers interactive makers of the batman arkham series as well as mortal Kombat uh and other large titles um <laughs> ea take two and activision are reportedly interested god please don't let ea get them yeah not that Activision Take-Two are much better, 
but please ea mortal Kombat. oh each character fun. is like 9.99 you start with one character you start oh my with scorpion God. wasn't the didn't the dlc like already take even though it was free to obtain like to get it it was obscenely long yeah essentially I mean, that's the same thing they did with street fighter 5 it's like oh yeah you don't have to pay any money you can you can pay it all you can get your characters with fight money and then there's like enough fight money in the game that you can reasonably attain to get one dlc character and then it's just a yeah. fucking monotonous grind and ranked matches and this with a game of terrible netcode <laughs> Uh, but yeah, estimates are arranging that the sale, the deal could reach $4 billion, um, according to CNBC. So this is certainly, this would be probably the biggest uh, acquisition of a studio since, I don't know, maybe since Microsoft bought Rare back in 2000. Yeah. And look how well that turned yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Banjo and Kazooie. It's a car game now. Not even uh. just that. Like, they were fucking forced to make shovelware shit for the Kinect. They were locked in the dungeon to make Connectimals. Oh, God. Um, yeah, Rare went down the shithole when that happened. Yeah. Uh, you can currently buy 1,000 video games for $5 uh, with all proceeds going to support Black Lives Matter. It's an incredible charity bundle that has already raised over $3.5 million. Um, wow. There's a decent chance you have heard of itch.io. It's a website used to host and sell indie video games. Um, but you've most likely heard of some of the classic video games available on the platform, games like Celeste, Nights in the Woods and Overland. Right now, an attempt to raise money for the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and Community Bail Fund, which is not Black Lives Matter, so I feel like that title is misleading. Um, Itch.io is running a bundle unlike, unlike anything that's ever been seen before and probably, you know, since. Like, I don't think we're going to see something like this yeah. again. They are offering over a 1,000 video games. Worth around That's a minimum insane. of $7,000 for donations of $5. Wow. Um, obviously, I don't have time to read off every <clears throat> game that's on here. Uh, most of them are games that you probably have never heard of mm -hmm. and aren't exactly uh, big-time games. I mean, I'm sure some of them are Itch. fun. Itch.io is basically the weird part of YouTube, but if it was a game platform. Yeah. Um, so there's the bundle for racial justice and equality. Uh, it ends in three days, so act fast. Um, features Overland, Night in the Woods, Sky Rogue, Celeste, Short Hike, uh, Linea's Inception, Odd Realm. I'm just going through ones that I kind of recognize here. Um... There's not much at the top row that I recognize. Um, but these are all real games that people, you know, worked worked and put time on. Um, available for $5, and there's a thousand of them. I can't speak to the quality of these games and how much you will, how many of them you will play, but honestly, like, my metric for games is like I want to get at least 
as many hours of gameplay out of it and enjoyment as I did dollars I spent into it. Right. It is literally half a cent per game. Yeah. So. And if you think a dollar an hour, right? So that means, let's see, a dollar divided so by 60. So 60 divided by 200 would be how much money per hour. Right. Which is. And that is. Like point. A third of an hour. So if you get 20 minutes out of a game, you've already paid for it. Yeah. The whole, like pretty much the whole. Yeah. If you spend five cumulative hours playing any of these games, you've already paid for the bundle. Essentially, you've gotten your money's worth. One of those hours can just be browsing the games. (laughs) Exactly. Five of those hours can be fucking Celeste. Like Jesus. I think Celeste is a game that you can easily dump like 20 some odd hours into. Yeah. This is what we call a lost leader. Yeah. And, if there ever there was one. And uh, you know, I'm glad to see it's doing doing well. Uh, a thousand games from 840 creators. Uh, they estimate $5,700 in value, which is uh, perhaps a little misleading because while these games might sell for that price, uh, is it really, does it have value if no one buys it? Yeah. Um, is, is, it does is now. The question. Uh, and all proceeds, once again, are donated. $5 minimum donation. You can donate more if you would like. But oh, if okay. you uh, put forth five bucks, you get a thousand indie games that you will play maybe 20 of. But it's going to a good cause. So. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Literally a Chinese bootleg cartridge level of. of I was, was going to say, it really reminds me of like the 99 and 1. 87,000 games in one. And they're, 8-bit game. They're all just fucking NES games with different titles. Fucking yeah. It's like, um, you ever seen those Chinese bootleg USB drives where it's like, they say how, like 10 terabytes of storage, but it's like 2 megs, and it just deletes files as you put them yeah. in. Um, Linus Tech Tips actually did a uh, video on those and how they work. Uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So that, except not actually a scam. Yeah, and like I go donate to this. It's a good cause, even if you uh, don't think that this is that. Like the current issues right now are, or if you think they're like overblown or you're on the other side of it, I mean, like the NAACP Legal Defense Fund is is a good cause. Like you know, you should. You should have it in your heart to help people who who might need legal help, because mm-hmm. you know we all know what it's like being on the wrong side of the law. It's a very scary thing. It, legal fees are very expensive. Not a lot of people can afford them. So, you know, it's just and it's five. You're getting something out of it too. It's yeah, not yeah. like you're just making a donation out of the goodness of I your heart. I think that's and, that's the real like catch right here is that you know, you're getting something out of out of donating to a really good cause and. Mm-hmm. That should be enough. Yeah. And again, uh, I just saw this headline for other stuff, or at least a, an art, uh, an opinion thing on uh, I read it here. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, you could also buy $71 in Valorant for five skins. <laughs> Hooray. Jesus Christ. Yeah, for roughly the price of the Horse Armor DLC in Oblivion, you can get a thousand games. <laughs> I we can't state enough how much value this is. That's amazing. 
for the same value of a foot long at Subway, you can get a thousand games. <laughs> Fucking right. Uh, you can get. It's not you. People spend more on a pack of cigarettes, in New York. Yes. Literally two of these. Yes. Um, and they, they can go through them in less than a week. Yeah, some people a day. And less than two packs of magic cards. You Whoa. get a thousand or games. One. <laughs> one. One pack one of double some, masters. One in some case. <laughs> um everyone's taking pot shots at the designs of the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. And among the leaders in this regard is KFC Gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Who have revealed their their console to rifle them all? It is literally a uh, chicken bucket with a disc drive. It's a it's a three D model. Obviously, this is not a real thing that's happening, but it's KFC always on that viral marketing shit. Yeah, and uh, there's a power button. And it projects out. It has some heating coils, so it can make you some fried chicken while you game. True 4K, 120 FPS. You can play the KFC dating sim on it. Dude, somebody spent too much time making this. That's amazing. Like, like, I mean, really, you're just like, you're sitting at home, coronavirus, and you're just like, yeah, no, I'll come. Can you commission me to make a fucking, it's a a tapered cylinder and blender with a couple fucking lighting effects on it. (laughs) KF console. I love it. Like... It's, it's fantastic. Power hashtag power your hunger. Yeah. Um, November twelfth, twenty twenty. Seattle has been ranked as the number one top city for video games in the U.S. Video gaming in the U.S., which uh, makes a lot of sense. It rains there a lot. <laughs> uh, also, there is a huge, thriving retro gaming scene in Seattle. Um, it's probably. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would assume it's the number one city for that because you have all the California transplants moving there now because it's impossible to live in California because it's so yeah. goddamn expensive. Um, and, you know, they, they have all this disposable income because a lot of them are software developers and shit like that, so they have the hobby. Um, the report published by the finance site WalletHub compared the 100 largest cities across 20 key indicators of gamer friendliness from average internet speed to video game stores per capita. Seattle has the highest overall score and also ranked number one for most video game job openings per capita because there are a lot of studios based out of Seattle. Uh, the top ranking for Seattle comes as the coronavirus pandemic forces more people to stay inside this year, boosting popularity of gaming. As a result, the gaming industry is projected to bring in a staggering $159 billion with a B dollars this year. Oh. According to the Pew Research Center, 72% of male Americans aged 18 to 29 play video games often or sometimes as do 49% of female Americans in the same age range. Oh, that that number's gone up in recent years. Um, Although, that can be deceiving, because I remember there was a report published a few years ago uh, that's like, you know, that said something like 60% of all gamers are, are female, and like, they considered mobile gaming in that sphere. So like, all the moms playing Candy Crush 
brought up that average and I'm like that's not really a good statistic yeah it's like yes true but well uh, yes but also no (laughs) is it useful for the the culture i guess of what what a lot of people consider a gamers it definitely appeals to marketers and people who make video games when you're like okay that's a demographic i can make a game for understandable it's a little it's uh practical in that sense but yeah i mean like for in what that, the for what the john q public considers yeah, in, in that space like i don't think triple a my the like to use that statistic the guy triple a development to uh market their games more towards females i think would be uh, a mistake because of you know the way that's skewed but like you know 49 percent, 72 percent. that's still a pretty big discrepancy but it's it's gotten smaller than it's been in recent years uh, also, mm-hmm. the popularity of pro gaming and esports is growing into a viable career choice for those with the best mechanical sw- skills. In fact, professional esports players reject to have more total viewers than all professional sports leagues except the NFL by next year. Which, yeah, makes sense. Um, not everyone follows every sport. I know I don't really watch basketball. Um, and mm-hmm. hockey is not on TV anywhere, much to my chagrin. <laughs> I, I do enjoy me some hockey, but I can only really watch the playoffs because those are the only games they put on network television. <laughs> and I'm not yep. paying extra for the right. MSG channel. Fuck you, James Dolan. Holding my Rangers <laughs> hostage. <laughs> um, MSG might not be bad for your health, but that channel does give me a headache. <laughs> um, yeah, it sucks because I want to watch the Rangers. <laughs> I can't. Um, all right, so I will give my God of War review, God of War 3 review, uh, quickly here before we move into the PS5. So I finally played God of War 3. Um, I picked up the God of War trilogy. Um, I started collecting, I guess you could say, for the PS3, uh, shortly after I graduated college. Um, I found a lot of, like, games that had, you know, games I missed, when I was in high school, because I didn't have the money um, to uh, to afford them, and they're all really cheap now, it's a good time to like get in and start buying games for the PS3 because right now their value is at their lowest. It's not old enough to be charmingly retro, but it's you know a couple generations behind at this point. Um, so like I, I they had a, collections of a lot of their games. I picked up the Uncharted collection and God of War and Infamous and all that stuff. Um, and I played God of War as actually God of War was one of the first games we streamed. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we did that and I played God of War 2 and I enjoyed those games quite a lot. And the way the stories were structured, I was really hyped coming out of God of War 2 to play God of War 3 because like they took the climax of God of War 2 and like pushed it off a game. <laughs> like you you were riding high and like the the start of god of war 3 is you know a continuation of the climax of god of war 2 but unfortunately they kind of muck up the pacing a little bit and it was out of necessity because you can't have a full game of just the titans attacking mount olympus um so you know the plan doesn't quite go as kratos and the titans would have hoped um and gaia kind of turns her back on Kratos and Kratos has to, uh, you know, go through more shit to kill Zeus. The whole objective as it was 
uh, in God of War 2 is to kill Zeus to get your revenge after he stripped you of your status of God of War, which you acquired at the end of God of War 1, and uh, he murdered you. He, he, Kratos, literally a man too angry to die, climbed his way out of Hades Classic. twice. You do it again in this game. <laughs> You actually kill Hades in this game. That was one of the harder boss fights. Like, um, this game is, it's it's more of the God of War formula, which I enjoy. And when it's a formula, it's the hack and slash sort of formula, but it's done very well uh, in God of War. I think everyone else kind of plays catch up to what God of War did in that genre. Um, you know, games mm-hmm. like Dante's Inferno and uh well hyrule warriors is really more based on dynasty warriors but like they really innovate santa monica studios really innovated in this genre quite a lot and i i really like greek mythology and mythology in general uh so the stories were always interesting to me and uh you know kratos continues to be one of the least likable protagonists in the history of video games (laughs) Uh, but he does show humanity. Like, the ending of this game is kind of like his journey to regain some semblance of humanity and not just be a giant prick. Like, he's confronted with all the terrible things he's done in his quest for vengeance, and his last deed in the game is fairly noble. Um, So, to recap, in God of War 1, you are tasked to kill Ares... And to do so, you need to acquire Pandora's box and to because that has the power to kill a god. And in doing so, you open Pandora's box, <coughs> which releases all the right. nasty stuff that's in Pandora's box. But as in the myth, also hope, which is the key thing in this game. Uh, as Pandora herself says, hope is what gives us strength. Hope is why we are here. And that is, as it turns out, the real power to kill a god is hope. Um, but all the nasty things that were released from Pandora's box infected the gods uh, with, you know, anger and fear and jealousy and all those negative emotions that were stuffed in Pandora's box. So the gods became very fanatical and tyrannical and uh, needed to die, I guess. It was mostly personally motivated revenge uh, for Kratos, as is his motivation in much of the original God of War trilogy, which... Doesn't make him the most likable protagonist because it's not a just cause and he does kill really indiscriminately. <laughs> there are a lot of innocent people that he kills <laughs> in his journey. Um, but you work your way through this uh, to you climb up the chain of the Olympus because fl- the flame of Olympus is where uh, supposedly has the power to kill the god, but it just is like protecting Pandora's box. And uh, so you kill Poseidon's the first god you kill, and you kill Apollo, you kill Hermes, you kill Hades, you kill um, Hercules, you kill Hera, you you fuck Aphrodite, you don't kill her, you kill Hephaestus, even though Hephaestus was, uh, you know, he helped you a lot. And, like, he shows Mm. some remorse for killing Hephaestus, but that was kind of in self-defense. I don't know why. Still unclear on why Hephaestus attacks Kratos in this game. Um, and then eventually you do kill Zeus. Um, and at the end of the game, spoilers for a 10-year-old game, uh, <laughs> Athena demands the power. Uh, you killed Athena in God of War 2 on accident. Um, 
and she demands the power that was in the box. And Kratos informs her that the box was empty, which was true. But he then realized he connects the dots that hope was the power that was in the box. And Athena wants the hope to uh, recraft the world, which is in ruins because you killed all these gods that control like the elements and all that stuff. Um, to reform the world in her vision. And Kratos realizes that she too has been corrupted by uh, the evils of Pandora's box. And rather than give her hope, he stabs himself with the Blade of Olympus to release hope to the world uh, and allow it to recover. Uh, but uh, to lead in, if you're wondering how there's a God of War 4, uh, Kratos is, again, too angry to die. Uh, he's been cursed with immortality. Uh, so he can't... It's very difficult to kill him, and even by his own hand. So uh, after the credits roll, you see the Blade of the Olympus lying there in a blood trail leading off the cliff. So he somehow finds its way to Midgard for God of War 4. Uh, that's the story. The story was good and compelling. The gameplay, as always, in God of War, very tight. Uh, my biggest issue with the game is that when you get to the last couple sections, namely the Garden of Olympus uh, and the Labyrinth, the difficulty spike is huge. And while I don't mind difficult combat scenarios, because I feel with practice, you can overcome those, what I dislike is very difficult platforming challenges which there were many of in the latter stages of the game. The most notorious of them for me is when you jump down to go back to the underworld. You follow the chain of Olympus all the way back down to the judges of the underworld. It's a flight section mm -hmm. where you have to avoid all these obstacles. And at a certain point, you pick up so much speed that it is nearly impossible to even see where you need to position yourself to not hit obstacles. And the collision mechanics are such that if you hit one obstacle, no matter what happens, you're going to hit like two or three more. And they each take off a whole lot of health. And I didn't help myself because I didn't find enough Gorgon's eyes to increase my health meter. Um, mm -hmm. So I basically I played, Gorgon's I, eyes. I played the game on normal. But since I had like the same starting health value for most of the game, effectively... That's like up the difficulty uh, to hard, essentially. <laughs> so what what could you like upgrade? You're probably like your damage and so there's stamina. there's three different meters. You have the, the there's a new meter in this game. You have health, magic, and stamina, which controls your ability to use your items, um, like the bow of Apollo and the head of Heliod and and Hermes's sandals, such like that. Um, okay. And to get them, there's there's three items that are scattered about in chests. There's phoenix feathers, which increase your magic, gorgon's eyes, which increase your health, and minotaur horns, which increase your stamina. So you have to find these, and they're not always like obviously out in the oh, open. Okay. So you have to do. A I didn't know bit if of it digging. was like a. Uh, some games make you choose like. No. You upgrade your. Upgrade your stats, and then you can choose between you one of the three. Where you can choose is the the way experience is granted in this game is you collect red orbs. And there are chests with red orbs, and you get red orbs for gotcha. uh, killing enemies. And you can use your red orbs to selectively upgrade your different primary weapons, of which there are four in this game. There are the Blades of okay. Exile, 
the claws of Hades, the Nemean Cestus, and the uh, Nemesis Whip. There's there's probably enough red orbs to max out all of them, but I only found enough to max out three, which is fine because the Blades of Exile yeah. are poopy. Um, but overall, it's a great game. I highly recommend the original God of War trilogy. I feel like there are a lot of people who don't really even know that there were three, actually five God of War games before the most recent one that existed. Um, and I feel like uh, you do yourself a disservice if you don't play them. So I, there's a remaster trilogy on the PS4. So uh, go play that if you enjoyed the, the newest God of War. I haven't played the newest God of War, so I don't know how similar or different it is. But is it, uh, is it not for the uh, PC or is it? You can uh, emulate uh, them all on the PC now because RCPS3 has gotten to the point where it's actually pretty good. Um, and PCSX2 is uh, solid there. I did encounter, we played it on PCSX2 uh, when we did the stream. And I did encounter a couple graphical hiccups, but overall it was pretty good. So it's a very playable yeah. experience. You can play it on PC for your emulation. Uh, obviously, to make it legal, please buy a copy of the trilogy to support the developers. Um, yeah, you, that's why I was kind of like asking just in case they... Uh... If you choose to go that route. But yeah, I can't recommend the, that whole trilogy really enough. Um, it's, uh, it's a rewarding combat system. It can be a little tricky to master, especially when they add in... Uh, like the blocking mechanics with the golden fleece and counterattacking, uh, but really interesting stories, uh, fantastic graphics. Santa Monica Studios always pushed the platform to its limits. God of War two for a PS two title looks amazing, and God of War three for a slightly later PS three title, kind of like mid cycle though. PS three came out in '06. This was 2010. Uh looks incredible like the kratos kratos's model even though the game is at 720p like looked incredible like i was very impressed even by today's standards how how good that looked um so yeah can can definitely recommend and now we will talk about more sony stuff and i'm sure we will have a sequel to 2018's god of war coming out for the ps5 that was not confirmed at this event but many other things were so uh, we will talk Especially about that. Especially with the now. success of God of War 4, uh, I'm, they're definitely going to come out with a sequel. But yeah, so we got a lot of sequels for the PS5 that, that were announced. And of course, we got to see the console for real now. Um, and I think there was a lot of like speculation of what it was going to look like. And uh, I did not expect what it looks like. No, uh, it is certainly... A drastic departure from the design language of the PlayStation property over, like, Which the four generations that it's existed. I'm sort of okay with. I mean, I was never a PlayStation person. I never had one. I, I only played on my, like, friends. Um, but uh, I don't mind the, the design change. Uh because I th it looks very futuristic, I gotta say that. It um, does. And it doesn't look like... I know... It, it, it doesn't feel like it's, like, too, like, gaudy futuristic. Like, some people try to, like, make it... I know people much, don't but... like boxy consoles, but I prefer 
boxy consoles because I have a lot of consoles and I need to stack them. Yeah. And it's an er- yeah, it's going back yeah. to the PS3 where they had the bevel. You could not have that anywhere else but the top of the stack. The PS4 was a gooder, was a better uh, design because the the accents were on the sides, so you could stack it just fine. Um, this, I don't even. I mean, you can lay it on your. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't think you can even lay it on your side. I think it has to be vertical because unless you get the no disc model, because the disc drive makes it. Uh, not level on the bottom, and there's clear curvature on the side pan on the top oh, yeah. panel. So, like, I don't even think you can put this on its side. I think it has to be vertically yeah, mounted. No, you, no, you can you can put it on its side. Um, it, so I think the the thing is, it comes with a stand. There's a a black uh, circle on the bottom. Yeah, I mean, and that's it what comes I'm off of that, and then that it has to lay on that. Has to lay on that. Uh, stand. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like so, I couldn't turn it 90 degrees and have it lie flat comfortably without it being at an angle. No, Jake, you're saying that there's a a flat stand in addition to the upright. Oh, stand. No, yeah, the upright stand. The upright stand, like that comes off. It's like this, right? And then it perpendicular lays flat on the okay, same so stand. Also, oh, okay. okay. Functions. I, I, I'm a... pretty sure that's how it's gonna work. For landscape position, sure and weirdly, the disk drive in the landscape position from the images I'm seeing here is underneath the central strip of the. It's on the underside of the um, what you call of the of the console. Yeah. Um. I yeah, I think it's. Uh, my current take on this is, um. It's trying to draw attention to the design of the console, the the aesthetics of it, without um, really, you know, by just like pulling from uh, common design trends. I compare this to the uh, the Wii and the Wii U yeah. and the Switch Nintendo stuff, where they, you know, on the one hand, they do have very they're very um, utilitarian designs where it's it's just squares and boxes put them together they're blocks okay. but that's kind of even then they though. have a distinct like visual kind of style mm-hmm. where like the switch has you know the the idea of the joy cons and the the rectangular controller that integrates the screen and the way the dock is and all the you know the wii like all the design language of the wii just screams 2000s to yeah. me like late 2000s early 2010s um it was very much in that slick pristine white futuristic sort of uh ideal which ps5 it's kind of it's kind of trying to do that again ish but we're past that we're yeah. moved on so there um there will be two models um <laughs> With disc and all digital, um, I my understanding is that the disc drive will be an Ultra HD Blu-ray player, which is important to some people, myself included. Um, and it also probably will cost more. Um, That's the difference. Depending upon how much that technology costs to implement, perhaps yeah. quite a bit more. There was... 
a Amazon listing claiming 599 euros, uh, which people did the conversion to, which would be 748 US dollars. However, people seem to forget that oftentimes they do regional pricing where it will be the same pricing in all regions, just in the local currency. Um, but there was another e-tailer that leaked a listing for the PlayStation 5 that said $699. Now, for people wow. who say, Sony would never do that. Um, well, the PS2 dominated its generation, and then they came out with the PS3, which had a launch place of, wait for it, $699. Um, and then they realized that that was maybe a mistake, so they toned back the price and undercut the Xbox by $100 with the PS4, and the PS4 dominated its generation. So now they might be thinking once again that, well, we're the big name in town. People are going to buy it because it's PlayStation. We can afford the price. And the technology in here is ambitious. This might just be... We've, we've read the reports that Sony has been unable to get the cost of the console under $450 to produce. So unless they want to sell it at a loss like they did on the PS3s after the first price cut, they're gonna ha- it's going to have to be fairly expensive. Yeah, and upwards of $500. I probably. would I would predict it I would predict 550 at a minimum. Mhm. Yeah. I I really think I just with the uh sort of inflating prices of like phones and stuff like that, I feel like we're not at a point where um where manufacturing costs have 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 met the like the increase in in what hardware they're using and i think i think they're they're not going to be able to make that that price point if they sell it like sub five hundred dollars yeah five hundred dollars and and we're not immune from that in the pc space either like this most recent generation of nvidia graphics cards saw us break a thousand dollars for a mainline gpu for the first time ever the 2080 Ti has an MSRP of $1,200. The 1080 Ti had an MSRP of $800, which at the time was considered to be a lot of fucking money. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the NVIDIA is like, oh, we'll just charge $400 more because we can. We don't have any competition in this high-end space. Right. Um, although we're st- we still don't have the pricing, and I think the pricing has not been set yet. I think we're still, and I said this long time ago, I think we're going to be in this game of chicken. I said it would come to a head at E3, but there was no E3. Um, we're going to be in this game of chicken where Microsoft and Sony are going to wait until as long as possible to announce the prices because they don't want to announce first. Because mm-hmm. Sony Sony knows this tactic well. This is how Sony sank Sega. Um an E394, uh, Sony was on after Sega. And the edict at Sony was whatever Sega prices the Saturn at, the PlayStation is $100 less. And I could 100% see them pulling a similar stunt with Microsoft. And Microsoft ain't no dummies. I'm sure they're on the same plane there. Like, we were $100 more expensive at launch last generation, and we got our asses kicked. So 
we're gonna have to, we're, we'll wait and see what Sony says, and then we'll undercut them a little bit. Um, yeah, and I mean Xbox Series X is is expected to be over five hundred dollars too. So yeah, the Xbox or, well the Xbox the Xbox uh, One X was like what four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine. Yeah, I just looked up an article for it. They said uh, Xbox One X launched in twenty seventeen with four ninety nine as the price point, and then the Series X is supposed to blow it out of the water spec wise. Yeah. So don't expect it to to go below that that five hundred dollar mark. I'd say that'd be the uh, the so. bare minimum entry point. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we're looking at consoles that are about four five fifty to six hundred dollars. You know, and that's for the base edition. Yeah. Yeah, you know, who knows? There there could be ones with higher storage that you know could hit all the way up to seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and that kind uh, of I mean, I that loses some of the appeal of consoles is that you know people have this perspective wrongly, but people have this perspective that building a PC is so expensive. Um, you know, consoles are cheaper. That's what you hear a lot. But if we're starting to see consoles cost like $600, especially now with the Ryzen 3 series out and the 10th the gen Intel i3s being four cores, eight threads, mm-hmm. like you can put together a seriously kick-ass computer for that kind of money now. Um, mm-hmm. So... Like Kurt, how how much would you estimate my build is at? I'm not I'm not running a top of the line. I'm running hand me downs. Um, to put together an equivalent to your build today would probably cost around. Um, let's see. You can get. I bought. I actually this is a good comparison because I just bought. For two hundred sixty five dollars, you could get the platform, the CPU, motherboard, and RAM. And that would leave you. Uh, power supply and case you could probably get for another hundred or so dollars um, to get a good power supply and case and then that would be you're up to 365 so that gives you a lot of options in terms of GPUs yeah. that you can get and 1070 TIs are selling on eBay right now for like 200 bucks and that is a very capable graphics card even mm-hmm. today at 1080p, that will that will treat you real nice. So you add 200 yeah. bucks mm-hmm. to that, you're at 565 dollars, uh, which is probably comparable in price to one of these consoles, and going to be similar in performance. I mean, storage obviously you have to factor that in there too, but you can also get better deals than you know what i've listed that's just what i was able to find things to b550 motherboards are coming out i'm sure there are going to be some of those that are uh less expensive and it's going to open you up to those nice ryzen three parts um you know i feel that you can put together a not necessarily top of the line pc but very capable pc for similar money to these consoles and well these consoles may be better performance we don't know what kind of performance these are going to have all we have is what sony and microsoft have told us and if you believe what the company tells you that the product's going to do i'm sorry but you're a fool because they said oh they made yeah. a lot of promises about the ps4 and xbox one that were not met so i am not expecting the promises that they have made on these consoles to be met either yeah now i kind of want to segue this into another aspect of this launch and of the launch of the next generation um 
now we're talking about performance and we're talking about um, being able to run stuff. Um, it's worth noting that in this age of of, con- of computer gaming, and I guess console gaming to a lesser extent, the power of the of the machines is such that um, your outpace any any well optimized game will is will fit very comfortably in in the uh, in the specs of, of a nice machine, and the graphical improvements are, the, are diminishing yes. returns just as a factor of as we approach realism. Um, so I want to talk briefly about launch titles because, um, I feel like last generation there wasn't like, there were launch titles that were like, yeah, buy this, but there wasn't unless, uh, except for the switch, there wasn't one, at least for me that said, this is a fucking hype game that everyone needs to fucking buy and you need to go cause it's crazy. And the Switch was, I feel like it felt like a new, con- it was worthy of making a new console for, uh, even if it wasn't just the gimmick, because they at least, the way it was marketed and the way it was set up was, it's this huge ass fucking world that's so complex and has all this stuff going into it that it's worth it to buy this new piece of machinery because it can do crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you compare that to something like, I know battlefield what's modern warfare yeah. right now is going through a kind of mini controversial area or a time period right now where um they're going the exact opposite way where it's mediocre performance but it's so badly optimized that you have like 40 gig updates for a shader yeah. uh diane plays modern warfare because one of her friends told her she should play modern warfare um and like mm-hmm. she has a like a 640 gig hard drive in there with her SSD and third a third of that has been taken up by modern warfare like i think her install is 220 yeah. gigabytes it's a disgustingly bloated piece of software yeah. and so my my challenge is my, my question is what do these guys have to do for a launch title like i mean not even to succeed like I guess how hard do they have to work? How much of their console can they sell on the console itself, and what would they need? Like, would they need to just put out a new Modern Warfare and say, "Here's well, the new shooting the, game, here's the... go buy it," and people will go buy it? Or do they need to go hard with like fucking Mario Odyssey, like Nintendo does every time they launch a console and they put out some crazy like fans go buck wild for well, that shit? We have some launch lineup games that were revealed at this event. Um... Of course, it wouldn't be a Sony event without Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo 7 yep. <laughs> is coming as a launch title. Resident Evil 8 will also be a launch window title. That was pretty big. That was that was pretty big. Resident Evil 7 hit hit different when that came out, and people loved it that game. It went back so. to the roots. It went back to the roots of what yeah. Resident Evil yeah. should be. It was actually a little more like Silent Hills than Resident Evil, but that's not a bad thing yeah. necessarily. Um and, you know, people are excited for the next installment of that. Uh, NBA 2K21, you know, sports game is sports game. Sports. Uh, and oh, Spider-Man? Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, which I think oh, that in this current political looks- climate is going to, you know, be <laughs> a pretty well. big hit. Uh, but also, yeah. we saw Spider-Verse. I mean, Miles Morales is a hot, that's hot a, character, yeah, that's a character in the that, Marvel Universe. That's a character that I will confess, when they first introduced Miles Morales in 2015, I was like, 
I'm not a big fan of mantle switching. I've talked about this on the show before. I think you do a disservice to just like, all right, here's a well-established character. We're going to put a new person in there because we're too lazy to think of a new hero. Um, yeah. But when Spider-Verse came out, they did a, such a great job of telling the Miles Morales story um, that, you know, that's a character that I identify with now. I, I feel similarly connected to as I do Peter Parker. And I think mm. Marvel's the Spider-Man game on the PS4 was such a hit, such a smash hit. Oh, huge. That, like, you know, this is going to sell like hotcakes, especially now that we're in this era of, uh, you know, everyone's really focused on, like, racial representation in everything right now. And mm-hmm. to have a, not, not just the black superhero, but a black and Hispanic superhero leading up one of the biggest launch titles on on the ps5 here is going to be a big deal and i'm sure eventually down the pipeline we will see a god of war 5 and other things like that uh that's why the ps4 won this won this past generation we talked about it a little bit peter you and i when we did our uh farewell to the eighth gen uh discussion that this this past generation of consoles just didn't have a high volume of quality titles, especially on the Xbox side. Xbox One exclusives were like non-existent. Yeah. And the ones that existed, skimpy. We got like Sunset Overdrive and Sea of Thieves and like Gears Five, and and like even those like some yeah. of those made their way onto PC eventually. Um. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, like Xbox couldn't hold on to them. Now. I have a I have a wild theory, a wild speculation about it won't be this console generation because they've already locked everything in and the timing didn't work. But so Half-Life Alex came out and kind of took the gaming world it took the gaming world's attention for a few moments uh, and pulled attention said this is what VR can be, what a VR adventure can represent. Here's our next It really was like so a lot of games there's the first step, right? Everyone likes to make the first step, and that that was Beat Saber. That was uh, fucking VR chat. That was hot. whatever for yeah, super, super hot. hot yeah. yeah, Alex represents the second step where they're saying, "All right, we can kind of put a game together on this." And um, I mean, it was a it's a big whale of a fucking item, of course. But uh, I guess my point here is, it's as you take further steps, I think. Uh, there's if there's a company with enough courage to do it i think the next console instead of being a an update in performance and grad just like the next level of whatever you know another iteration a bold console coming out next generation or even mid-generation i don't know um would be pivoting to focus on like the power of peripherals where it takes off takes off less focus on strict performance and more on um working with um things like vr and you know uh rigs and bringing that into um making it more affordable or like unifying the technology in some way uh, sony did experiment uh with playstation vr with uh the ps4 and it performed reasonably well from what i've heard um, the PS5, at least on paper, the spec sheet, reads as a machine that would be very VR-capable, 
capable of running something on the scale of Half-Life, Alex. So if Sony can, in, in their air, Sony is in a good position to do this because unlike all the other uh, names in the gaming industry, Sony has been a world-leading electronics company for all of its existence. 40 so years? they, perhaps yeah. better than anyone, have the capability to figure out how to produce a quality VR headset at an affordable price that and they now will have the platform to push VR titles on and they can like Half-Life Alex runs very reasonably well on like a 1060 level graphics card with you know a you know a, a CPU that can push the frames to to max out that 1060 graphics card and like an HTC uh, or not an HTC, an Oculus Quest style headset. They Linus Tech Tips did a good video on like the difference in like experiences between like your different hardware configs for Half Life Alex, and they found that it ran reasonably well on a wide range of hardware. And I, I feel like you could uh. push more AAA VR experiences. Uh, to the mainstream, but we've talked about VR a lot on this show. The main obstacle now, Half Life Alex has cleared one hurdle of creating a AAA VR experience, but you have to clear the other, perhaps higher hurdle of lowering the barrier of entry, which mm-hmm. Valve did not do My, with the index. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, not. um. <laughs> my vision of what it would real like a, a kind of realistic version of what I would expect. So next console generation, they come out and it's, you call it the PlayStation Virtua or whatever. And it's a $900 console, but it comes with the, with a VR uh, peripherals equipped and a killer launch app that fucking that, you know, it's like the uh, guitar hero just, Everyone's got to have it. Takes the world by storm. You know, every, it'll be a part of just the new setup they have. And I mean, they can, you can, but you even just using previous PlayStation equipment, you can make a fucking ghetto Tony Stark level <laughs> VR experience between the PlayStation Move, which I've heard had very, very positive motion controls. It had the best controls. motion controls out of all the motion controls of that era. Like the Kinect was worse. Mm-hmm. Everyone just made fun of it because it looked like a fucking magic wand. Um, right, it looked like one of those fucking spinner lollipops. Um, so you have that and you have the PSVR, and those are technologies that they've already laid the groundwork for. Um, I think the potential is there. If PlayStation is just bold enough to make the move, I I have a modicum of faith that they could pull off something that would put VR in the common American or the common gamer Americans household. Yeah. yeah. By I mean, next I am, generation. Yeah. But this generation. Yeah. It's certainly interesting to see. Uh, Cause that was a focus. That was something that was mentioned a lot in these press releases. Uh, VR is something that came up a lot. So it'd be interesting to see. They haven't really talked about it much in a lot of these reveals. Uh, well, they have one of these webcams is, are, are they doing anything with like, any sort of like motion control stuff because they, along with like all their peripherals, they have like the PlayStation 5 
uh, headset and the, 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 the controller charger. And they also have like this webcam thing that they, they have that has two cameras on it. Like the Kinect yeah, sort of? Yeah, I mean, it's small, Your but it, it looks like the yeah. PSI, like the PlayStation Eye. The Eye toy. So I'm wondering if they... Ow. If they're trying to do something with it, uh, maybe not maybe not Fair. VR, but like motion control, sort of like the Wii. I definitely think it's something they could they could develop. And yeah, I don't know. My, my only it's... concern is that it, it falls by the wayside and turns into something that's like uh, just like a, a a gimmicky sort of peripheral, like a Wii. Like, that's like you an add on. The motion the motion Waggling, control was the is. big selling point of the Wii. And the Wii printed yeah. money, but it sold no software because everyone just bought the console, played Wii Sports for five minutes, and was like, eh, yeah. I'm kind of bored of this. And then, you know, the PlayStation Move and Connect didn't do well because gamers didn't really want motion controls. It's one of those things that sounds no. good at, on paper, like a more engaging video game experience. But I can speak from my perspective. When I come home, you know, I want to play a video game to unwind and relax. <sighs> Yeah. I don't want to have to yeah. suit up in my fucking be, Iron Man battle be armor <laughs> and fucking, you know, run 25 right. kilometers in game hacking and slashing. God, make us sound more like lazy pieces of shit. But no, you're right. You're right. I mean, especially like if you wake up in the morning, you're like kind of groggy. You just want to turn on the thing and, and play, you know, play some shooter. You don't want to be up and moving around. It, it's a way of relaxing, not a way of uh, exercising and, and even if half the audience feels that way, it's it's not going to spell uh, success for for that product. Yeah, um, you need one lane to move through, and and that's why I think VR is a little bit more in that sort of wheelhouse because you can do it seated, you can do it. Yeah, it can be in a relaxed position. Yeah, it can be. It's more relaxable than like something like. I mean, I guess it would still be a VR setup, but I mean, you've seen the meme of like the like the treadmill controller and like the fucking yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know, like that sort of setup. It's cool. I'm not saying I wouldn't want to play on that for a little bit, but it's not something I would ever invest in myself. But yeah, that but that's some shit I'd see at like Dave and Buster's. Like that's like a, a gimmicky. You do it once or twice and you do it. But like I can't see myself absorbing 100 hours into into a, a, a VR game like that where it involves so much effort. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to traverse mm-hmm. Skyrim in real time. <laughs> and also, I, I mean, I think the gaming community is so... Uh, uh, we're so demanding for perfection uh, to an extent where if, like, the controls aren't working like they should be, it spells disaster. It's it's gonna be really really bad for that yeah. for that product. The early adapters I mean, do not. Just look have at the connect. Patience, no. I think the, I think that's where the connect really suffered because people didn't mind doing certain things with, with the connect, but because there was no like things you had to grab onto. But when you can't fucking press a button or swipe screens properly because the the, the game is so glitched, then it's like I don't want to play this because it doesn't work. Yeah. You know. Even if it doesn't work like ten percent of the time, it's like it's gonna be obnoxious as shit. It's like in Pokemon, a move is ninety right. percent accurate. Although but yeah. it seems to miss yeah. a lot more than it hits. I will say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The connect I will I will put this out the connect. I've been thinking about this. Because the connect was 
sadly, a fucking amazing piece of technology that was relegated to being a games peripheral. Because if you if you look at some, there are a lot of scientific papers that like use the we connected use part them, of their We use lab them setups. on one of our robots. Uh, they gave us a dev kit yeah, for it, it's and we, fucking we great. used it for targeting on a robot because it had very, very good sensors with very good resolution and very good tracking. Yeah. Just don't play video games. <laughs> it's great otherwise. It's like, a ras- it's like a Raspberry Pi sort of like use your imagination, but it just is in the wrong context. So again, and that's sort of, I guess I'll wrap it, pull it back together here, is that um, will the... We'll talk, we've been talking about the next generation, even the one after this one upcoming, pulling together the context of these um, these trends of VR, motion controls, setting gaming rigs, pulling it together into one cohesive thing that could be the future of gaming. Um, but the question that we should keep on my, our minds now is, what is this gonna, what is this console generation going to put context put the put into context? Um, and I don't know. I think the PS... So my my take right now is the aesthetics of the PS5 don't look good. <laughs> don't look great. And I'm... Other than some lineups, I don't have high hopes for a, for a disruptive um, set of software. That's my take. We'll review mm-hmm. it at the end of this generation. Yep. We we'll see you in, back in on uh, five, to, five to eight years. And we'll we'll let you know how uh we'll we'll let you know how right or wrong we were on like episode like twelve hundred and sixty four. Yeah. Um. I. I. My take on the PS Five. I. Aesthetically, I think it looks all right. Uh, A little weird, little out there. Uh, I think they 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 reached for it a little bit, and some people it hit, some people it didn't. Um. But what's really going to sell this console is the games that come out with it, and uh, I think they picked an okay lineup uh resident evil 8 spider-man they're gonna hit home uh horizon uh we, we i don't know if we oh, talked yeah, about we, we missed horizon the, the uh second west yeah. uh something west something about something about going out west <laughs> um but that game it's i think it found a really i found i think i found a niche audience that they love it uh and aesthetically and uh, world building wise, that game is going to be amazing. Uh, I think it's going to be definitely up there with some of the top hitters. That's why they chose it to come out with it. Gran Turismo, whatever. It's, it's another racing People game. People love Gran Turismo. Uh, but I th- it would have been nice to see like another God of War. I think that probably would have set it over the edge. That would have been seeing how well that God of War for big, big launch title. Um, that would have been probably the main seller. To be quite honest, that's, that, that that's Spider-Man. a system seller. We'll see if Spider-Man can yeah. be a system seller. It's a big hit, but I don't know if it can I be don't know. a system I, seller. I think because of the hype of of how well the last Spider-Man did, uh, people are really happy about it. So that's just my take on it. Uh, I'm not going to get it because I have a computer. My take, I'll probably get it because it will be backwards compatible with the PS4, and there are a lot of titles on that that. I, I want. Yeah. I'm sure there will be future titles on the PS5 that I like. Um, the design, uh, you know, doesn't really do it for me. I don't think it's an objectively terrible design. I just don't think it really fits in with the PlayStation ethos. Um, I would like to see more games 
announced uh, for the launch window, and I I do think that they need uh, something. I even if it's just Last of Us Two, like a cobbled together up-res PS5 port of Last of Us Two, um, they need something uh, bigger for that launch window. Because uh, like while there are quality titles here, think of some of the best video game launch launch window title launch titles ever like you think of the dreamcast that had a ton of games that were all really good you need quantity and you need quality and you need breath there isn't a whole lot of breath here uh i mean you have a sports game you have a racing game and you got resident evil and you got uh spider-man but those are both kind of adventure games and then horizon is also like more of an adventure and there's an rpg story there too but I think you need a, a bigger breadth of uh, of titles, uh, and the, it it comes down to the same thing every generation. Like you can talk all you want about the hardware, and that was the big thing on Xbox. Like the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X is the most powerful console, but if there's no games to play on the console, who gives a shit how powerful it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, the software yeah. is going to be what determines the success or failure of the PS5 and Xbox Series X. And, uh, you know, time will tell on how good the software is. So uh, I think we'll we'll put a nice little bow on episode 215. I would have I would have been really nice if we ended at two hours and 15 minutes, but we went a little over that. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> stop by Twitch and Mixer, backslash that and studs on both uh, for more Mass Effect 2 tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can check out our YouTube channel and social medias. All those links are on SaturnStuds.com. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.